And this is Andy. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we look back at very special episodes to see what they have to teach us today. Today we are watching the show Chips, episode 16 of season 5. The title of the episode is Battle of the Bands. It originally aired on January 31st, 1982. You can watch it on Amazon Prime Video for $2.99 to buy the episode. Mm-hmm. And it was written by Larry Mullen and Rick Rosner, or he was the creator of Chips. Yeah. But they both wrote on this episode. Yeah. Uh, how did that HD? I did not get it in HD. How did that hold up? Uh, I, d- I don't think it really looked like HD on my laptop nope. either. All right. They act, they charge you two ninety nine, and they act like it's going to be crystal clear. And then it's whatever quality they shot it in uh, in 1982. It's probably a blessing. <laughs> uh, we have a very special guest today yes, with us do. is Kylie Michelle. Hello, Kylie. Hi, Andy. Hey. <laughs> Kylie and I were recently talking about the punk episode we did previously, which yes. was Quincy, Quincy M.E., yep. uh, where Quincy puts the whole system of punk on trial. Yep. <laughs> and Kylie recommended this episode. Kylie grew up here in Los Angeles, Southern California proper, mm-hmm. um, and probably uh, uh, you 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 were in the band Pain at one point or another. Yeah, weren't you? yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. It was my my original band. <laughs> yes, I dig Pain. <laughs> so uh, we invited her along to talk about that and uh, get your impression. So just tell us a little bit about uh, what does this episode mean to you, or when did you first see it, or or how has Battle of the Bands affected your life. <laughs> well, I don't know how much it's really affected my life other than for, you know, comedic value. Just growing up kind of a shitty little punk rock kid in LA. Yeah. You know, we're always, everyone's always looking for rep- representation of themselves and mm-hmm. media and stuff like that. So it was always really fun. Yeah. <laughs> to see how we are represented mm-hmm. in TV and movies, which was always terribly. Mm-hmm. It's great. And mm-hmm. in a very, very over the top and exaggerated way. Well, it's almost like the people um, that wrote those things didn't care to learn really no, anything about, yeah, about well, punk music maybe or people Chips who liked it. Will, yeah, maybe Chips will do a better job of that. Uh, then yeah. Quincy M.E., they couldn't do a worse yeah. job. Quincy um, M.E. is the reason that I now use the term punkers all the time. Yeah, self-proclaimed punkers. Yeah. So funny. We had found, um, uh, that was how they referred to punks on uh, Quincy M.E. And then we found an old episode of Donahue. Yep. Or Sally Jesse. It where was Donahue. Yeah, yeah. Where, where it, we were texting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Where one of the the mothers is introduced as mother of a punker. They use that word in this in this too. Do they? Uh-huh. I was too busy writing it down. Not every anyone time. actually in the scene, of course. No. no, no. Do you have a segment of you wrote what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about one of the writers of this and what they might have written before uh, in a segment called "You Wrote What." Writer Larry Mullen uh, wrote an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 entitled Flying. Here's the summary that I had to edit down oh, God. from like five fucking paragraphs. <laughs> no! Because apparently there's a lot to say about an episode. So I, I broke it down to three sentences, and these are pulled from IMDb. <laughs> Donna and Claire find Kelly's stash of cocaine in their beachfront apartment. Meanwhile, Valerie's oldest friend, Ginger LaMonica, inconspicuously returns to Beverly Hills and breaks her deal by blackmailing Valerie by revealing about the jewelry theft scam for money. Valerie refuses to pay until Ginger offers another option, a sordid night with David. Ginger LaMonica is my new, <laughs> my new favorite character name. That's cool. 
I have ever heard. Look, it's it's probably too late in my life, but if I become a drag queen... Ginger LaMonica. And the, the, the name Chunky McGuffin's already taken. <laughs> Ginger LaMonica is what Ginger I'm going Ginger LaMonica, yes. We have to do the Josh Miller Memorial Snack Time Hour. These come from Ralph's, which is a supermarket chain we have here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And these are banana nut chocolate chip soft top cookies. I've never heard of a banana chocolate chip cookie before. Mm-hmm. They're very soft looking. They're like they're very squishy looking. Uh, let's uh let's try these cookies. Yay. Well you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine car gabbing clothes. You had the dog hair and yawn in your hand and the spoon up your nose. Ooh, when you wake up in the morning with your head on fire and your eyes too bloody to see. Gonna cry and you call it all confession to me. Because you had to be a big shot, didn't you? You had to open up your mouth. You had to be a big shot, didn't you? All your friends were so knocked out. You had to have the last word last night. You know what? It took us 25 minutes to eat yeah. these cookies. <laughs> we're all older now. We all have long gray beards mm-hmm. from having eaten those cookies. I liked the sort of banana flavor inside a chocolate chip cookie. It makes me want to make chocolate chip cookies and figure out how to put bananas in them. Sure. I don't want to eat these again. No, no, no. I'm done with these forever. But I'm I... actually not going to be done with these for a while. It's like gum <laughs> if you swallow it. It's yeah. been seven years. This banana was like banana Laffy Taffy. It yeah. Was not good. <laughs> I bet you could find a better way to do this. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Like an actual homemade banana chocolate chip cookie might be really good. Right. So um, tune in next time when Chelsea makes these cookies and they're so much better. So I'm inspired by these cookies, <laughs> but I don't necessarily recommend them. Also, there's some sort yeah. of terrible preservatives in them to make them that soft. They've got to be. Yeah, it's less like a cookie and more like a muffin top. It is. Yeah, it's just the banana nut muffin top and they the, just call it a cookie. Yeah. It's like, gross. If the fly had starred a banana nut bread instead of Jeff, Jeff Goldblum... <laughs> And like I hear they were um, this close to casting (laughs) that way, and then at the last minute, Banana Nut Bread got a series. It's true. Yeah, Uh, that series was WKRP in Cincinnati. (laughs) Damn, just there, cut right out of it too. So let's talk about this goddamn episode of television. Well, yeah, let's talk about this goddamn series first. So Chips ran for six seasons, 139 episodes, 1977 to 1983, plus one reunion TV movie in October of 1998. Uh, It ran on NBC. It is an hour-long action crime drama, kind of a standard format, 48 minutes of programming. It's about California Highway Patrolmen. That's what Chips sort of is, C-H- P and they stuck that I in the middle and the S on the end. The show was created by Rick Rosner and starred Eric Estrada as a macho, rambunctious chips officer named Francis Llewellyn Ponch Poncherello, and Larry Wilcox Francis as Llewellyn. his yes, and, and Larry Wilcox as his straight laced partner, Officer Jonathan or John Andrew Baker. And Ponch is the more trouble-prone of the pair, and John is generally more level-headed, and it's kind of a... They try to keep each other balanced, and a hallmark of the series is 
over-the-top freeway pileups. It's a signature, <laughs> especially in later seasons. Huge car crashes and pileups are just oh. like a big hallmark of the series. Don't worry, dear listener. There's one in this one oh, as there well. Were, there's more than one. Um, and chase scenes, another <sighs> big hallmark of the series. So we open up this episode on Funky Jazz Beach. Oh, my God. It is the music. It was this Venice? I'm thinking it's... No, that's Santa Monica. It's gotta that's be, right? Like two blocks from where I grew up. Really? Yeah. yeah. I spent every day of my childhood and probably until like uh, after I graduated high school, like within like a half mile of that spot. So Amazing. just playing volleyball all the time. More like the other like weirdo punk rockers hanging out under the pier. Under the we pier. didn't hang out under yeah. the pier. <laughs> that the that was a weird this? scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was, was really when weird. I was like, we're in Santa Monica. Because first I was like, maybe we're in Venice. And then we went under the pier and I was like, oh no, we're in Santa Monica. Yeah. Because you can't really go under a pier in Venice that I know of. I've lived here a year. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, it's Santa Monica, which also makes sense why there are so many people that look like tourists just sort of like rollerblading around. I, I did not have HD, so I saw a lot of blurs. <laughs> Although I do see this this first image of Chekhov's skater girl <laughs> that we'll come across later. Yes, yes. By the way, let's talk about fucking fashion at this time. It seems like women's fashion was to expose uh, and showcase as much of the haunches as possible. Well, this was a time in... Uh, <laughs> Is that fair? Definitely haunches? a time in bathing suit yeah. bathing suit and aerobics wear where it just, like, the, the V was so deep. Like, the mm. V, the pelvic V area of a bathing suit or aerobics leotard <laughs> went so high up above the hip bones. Yeah. It's like, it at least when you see these aerobics videos they're wearing tights underneath that but on the on the boardwalk uh-huh. it's just like the deepest like it goes up to like your waist almost yeah. you can it's, put on deodorant without <laughs> too much arranging it's kind of it's insane i mean like a uh, body positivity like wear whatever you want to wear everybody's allowed to dress however they want to dress but i was just sort of like that was a commitment yeah when she put that on that was she was time. like i'm going for it it just looks uncomfortable it does <laughs> have like picasso True. tan lines back then yeah <laughs> Um, we have the an opening sequence that makes perhaps the least sense of any opening sequence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have, that sounds like a challenge we have ever seen. The music is some sort of weird, elect- undefinable electric guitar. It it's so odd. I'm not talking about the theme song. I'm talking about like no, the no, opening. I, I know. That's why I've called it Funky Jazz Beach. Right. And three self-proclaimed punkers are in a parking lot, <laughs> playfully. Doing the following, punching each other, yep. jumping on cars, Check. spray painting one car, mm-hmm. just one, and then slashing just one tire in a line of cars, kicking each other in the butt, mm-hmm. looking at their lighters, not doing anything, just lighting them and looking at them and leaving. You forgot the stick fight. <laughs> oh, right. There was, a, there was a stick fight. Sorry. The punks are led by Trasher, who is played by William Forsyth, still acting all the time, most recently played... J. Edgar Hoover in The Man in the High Castle. Yeah, this dude's made out of fucking his face. He's got a face of, of uh, uh, what's the what's the word? Economy grade granite. Uh, <laughs> you, you would recognize Bill Forsyth if you saw him. About he's got a jaw like a fucking like he could punch you back. Yeah, and a very but and also a very memorable gap in his teeth. Yeah. it's like a it makes his face very memorable. And also, um, he's got in this episode. A blonde mohawk haircut. Yeah. Yeah, I looked him up after watching this because he looked so familiar. He has mm-hmm. such a distinctive face. And he has been playing a villain in every movie and TV show since this episode Absolutely. was made. Mm-hmm. It's insane. He's on like mm-hmm. Boardwalk Empire, I think. Oh, he is and... on Boardwalk yeah. Empire. Yeah. Yes. He was one of the bad guys in that 90s Dick Tracy movie. He is. He's flat top. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it actually made me think of? all coming back to me. Wow. This is going to sound. foresight helped raise me. He's like a real actor. He really is. Yeah. This is going to sound super tangential, but I promise it's not. You know what it made me think of? You know in in The Room, well, actually, you know in The Disaster Artist? Yeah. When they're at a restaurant and the scene is at a restaurant and... um. What, when he sees Kevin Tommy Sorbo? Wiseau, yeah, goes up to him and he's like, I want to be and I want to be an actor. What do I do? And then he somehow they get around and he's like, I'm the hero. I'm a romantic lead. And the guy's like, no, you are a villain. Like yeah. people look at you and they see you as a villain. And if you want to be an actor, you got to play a villain. Mm-hmm. And he like refuses to accept that advice. Bill Forsyth came like, out the womb being like. Tommy Wiseau could have <laughs> yeah. been. Bill Forsyth, if he had if he had leaned into it, because yeah. someone clearly told this guy early on in his career, around this time when mm-hmm. he was a yeah. teenager, early twenties, you look like a scary ass villain. Yeah, if you lean into that, you will work steadily for the rest of your life. Absolutely, and, and he fucking went for it. What is it? Forty years now. Yeah, like him and Steve Buscemi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve. I know you want to be on soap operas, but here's another idea. Here's an idea. Did and you want to work just for the rest of your life? Then you and you can meet Bill Forsyth on yeah. Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> 30 years. What? Nothing. I'm a time traveler. Bye. <laughs> but we also have Trasher. I always want to call him Thrasher because... Well, on IMDb, know. they spelled it wrong. Oh. They called him Trasher. Thrasher. How am I supposed to keep But up? then his name is actually Trasher in the episode. They say his name is Trasher. I'm guessing because Thrasher is a band and they didn't... And he's in a band? I don't so know. Thrasher's a skateboard magazine. Oh, that's true. It's too close to a lot of... Th- no one is just... Trasher. Trasher is nothing. Yeah. So Trasher is the character's yeah. name. Yeah, Trash is things. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's gonna be mad about that. Hey, you what, do you, what do you like? No, Trash. I'm Clay Trasher. His real name's Todd. It's like a shitty fucking Santa's <laughs> reindeer, though, isn't it? Well, he's got he's got uh, he's got two goons with him. Yeah, who potato are f- head. Yeah, potato head. Potato head and Fido. Yeah, yeah. potato head's real name is Philip. We never find out Fido's real name. I mean, I knew people with very silly nicknames. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, potato head was not one of them. Although it may well have been. I mean, there was like what like a shitter, a puker, and a sasquatch. Sure, half wow. pint. Yeah, there was. I mean, people had terrible. Nicknames. Did you have a Did you have a terrible nickname? I never did. What? No, thank God. That seems that. like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Trasher. <laughs> With us today, Trasher Michelle. So it's worth noting now that uh, punk leader Trasher points to a tire which he would like to have slashed with his chain wallet lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Chekhov's chain wallet lighter because Chekhov just left all his shit laid around this episode. (laughs) They introduce the fact that he loves to pull this lighter out and not do anything with it. Just light it and then stare at the flame and grin. It's it's detrimental because it seems to to denote that he understands how lighters work, which he does not. We never see anyone smoking anything. No. Point of order. Then they get back on their motorcycles. The, The punks notice a pink van. Um, and spray painted on the side is uh, Snow Pink, which is the name of a, a band. And it has a bunch of instruments in the back. And so uh, when they see that, the punks have to break in, of course, because there are instruments in the van. This, this is pretty much a punker's life ride. Is like, I gotta slash some tires. Oh, look, instruments. Yes, just it's time mindless to go. destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. Just staring into a fire and, you know. <laughs> Poking things. Yeah, 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 poking each other with sticks. Lighting a lighter that's attached to you in some way. <laughs> yes. Cut to a sidewalk where three chips officers, Ponch and John, are heroes, as well as uh, Sergeant Getrayer. I don't, they never say his name, so I only know from IMDb. But I, good luck. Uh, I, tried to, I tried to match names to, to various officers and right. I came up with. It was the same Quincy thing. It's like this person's been in this scene for five seconds and now I'm, I have no, because 
Well, I've got, I've got nicknames of plenty, so we'll be fine. So Getrayer is telling a story about the time, uh, about last night, and Ponch had the audience in the palm of his hand. Turns out, reveal, Ponch is a singer. And then we cut yes, back to, this is just to set this up, and then we cut back to the punks, and it turns out they have a band as well. Yeah, so they got, got a fucking st- band. <laughs> it's LA. So they got to steal guitars and mics out of the, and put them on the back of their motorcycles, which conveniently have like very well set up cages for carrying guitars Look, on them. All right. I don't, I don't like to talk about this, but I do own a motorcycle. Oh my God. We know. <laughs> I, I rewound this and was like, I have never gotten anything onto my motorcycle this quickly, <laughs> yeah. let alone equipment with b- bungee cords and such. Nonsense. Now, also, teenage punks don't have fancy motorcycles. That's true. Like, there was that's a, just oh, not. It's just I can not tell a thing. You, I can tell you exactly what kind of motorcycles they are too. Kawasaki provided the police motorcycles, so the bad guys had to ride Hondas. In this case, a CX500 and a CM400T. Those are yeah, crappy I noticed little... that Goldwing. <laughs> yeah, cafe racers. They do BMWs now. Oh, really? Because, yeah, they have fancy you know, Tron-looking bikes. They do. They are fancy Tron-looking yeah. bikes. Well, they're kind of menacing. <laughs> they, no, they're super menacing. They have shotguns like right there in the open. It's like, okay, it's I like, remember What is this, Louisiana? Yeah. <laughs> um... Just in case gators come around. <laughs> so this van is rolling away, but uh-oh, Fido is trapped on the van. Right. He hits... He hits... <laughs> that sentence is stupid. <laughs> okay. So they're trying sorry, to get... Let me, no, no, let me take it again. Uh, Fido is trapped on Snow Pink's van, which is getting away. Right. He, as they're stealing instruments, he falls back against the parking brake, and they're parked on a hill. Mm-hmm. And then the parking brake releases, and then he is trapped in the van as it goes sliding down the hill in a perfectly straight line. Line <laughs> never veers. Um, it's funny because if you fo- if you go on IMDb on this episode's page, like all of the trivia is about how they fucked up this sequence, where you can see there's a stunt driver clearly behind like a black a black screen driving the van. You can see the roll bar. You can see when it crashes on the beach the mattress that was inside for the stunt person. Like you can, they just really didn't cover up any of the way that they set this up. But anyway, no. this thing is sliding down the hills of Santa Monica in a perfectly straight line. Yep. Headed for the beach, Fido inside. There's a there's <laughs> this is unintentional, but I laughed. There's a a bicyclist yep. in a velour tracksuit. Yeah, well done. Everybody's got a fucking velour tracksuit here, <laughs> and she's riding along, and then turns around and sees the van. And I just think it's funny. She turns around, looks at the van, and it says Dodge on it. And she's like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she rolls over the hood of a car. She sure does. And then that's where it's less funny. And then the the uh, van is is bearing down on a bunch of beach volleyballists who all have to jump out of the way. Volleyball is destroyed. Yeah. America's and, game. Volleyball. And of course, of course the van can't just, can't just like roll into the sand. It has to jump over a car and smash into the beach. And because it's got it, even though it's one car and there are technically no people involved because Fido, we should say has jumped out by this yes. point. They're still need, they still need to get a good car crash out of this. Sure. So it does manage to take out some other cars on its way into crashing headfirst into the beach. Does it explode? No. Which is a shame. Missed opportunity. But the sequence does do something funny that so many things do when shot in L.A. is that all those hillsides are Silver Lake. Yeah, right? Yeah, Those are all be, Silver right? Lake. No, I, I like... mean, there's even a street sign in the background of one. It's Effie, which yes. is oh just God. right down the road. And yes. then they turn a corner and suddenly they're in Santa Monica. And then there's a motorcycle chase later on in the episode as well, where they're yes. on the beach, turn a quarter, Silver Lake, turn a quarter, <laughs> on the beach, turn a corner, Silver Lake. <laughs> nice. Santa Monica, Silver Lake, back and forth and right. back and, and forth. And they're supposed to be in Hollywood. Like, at least where the kids live is supposed to be in the Hollywood yeah. hills. 
as they said. Yeah, um, oh, Holly weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's <laughs> super, that's all super exciting. Just, yeah, this episode. And we, now we, we have the call to adventure. This van smashing into the beach and then the sergeant. <laughs> the, beach, the beach is about to go on a journey. And the sergeant goes, hey, look at that. In the absolute most nonchalant voice <laughs> I have ever heard. Never has anyone cared less about the call to adventure yeah. than this sergeant cares about this van. I wrote down <laughs> that they notice and do something-ish about it. Yeah, the three officers head down to the crash site to investigate. And somehow, even though the punks on their motorcycles are like, there's no way you would know that they were involved with this van crashing. The Somehow they know. So, yeah, also you so think Punch the- and John start following Trasher and Potato Head. And the sergeant... Fido's on the back of... of- Trasher's bike? Yes, because he's like a lap dog, so he just follows Trasher around. And then uh, Getrayer, the sergeant, goes to look at the van on the beach. And now we're in the theme song, which is berserk. (laughs) Yeah. I have have a confession to make about this theme song. Uh, We used to watch this when I was a kid. And I, when this came on, I remember that I used to fucking jam it up to this shit. <laughs> like fucking tiny little me used to do my two big moves, which were sort of jump and then march in place. Oh, Lord Wait, you didn't mercy. do the pogo and the slam? No, the dancing, dancing was discouraged in my house. Oh uh, my God. I So I was watching this and Miles, our lovely engineer and uh, producer, director of the podcast, is is a sound designer and composer. And so I watched it and then I had to bring it to him. I had my laptop and I was like, tell me words to describe this. Yeah. I don't know how to describe this. Well, largely the theme song is is 70s funk music. So it's not anything that you wouldn't find in a 70s funk band. Yeah. But probably the strangest piece is towards the end of the theme song when that... that yeah, that's at the beginning, in. too. It's, beginning it's like a well. book. Yeah. It seems as though it's it's funk, but they're like, hey, you know what else we should do is a bunch of like vague disco Yeah, it's accents. disco-y, and it's all, like Miles pointed out, it's natural instruments for the most part, but then this very 8-bitty sounding, like, right, synthesizer thing at the beginning and the end... And then the shots, that's just the music. The shots are like close-ups on gloves, badge, radio, handlebars, mm. gun. It's like all the tools of the trade. It's like, here's what you need to be a chips officer. And I'm just trying to remember if we've ever seen this kind of a format before. It's not pictures of the cast. It's not scenes from the show. It's not like uh, things that are related, like illustrations, like cheers. You know, yeah. it's it, it's just like... Fucking close-ups on equipment. Did you watch this when you were a kid, or just in in syndication? You don't you don't strike I, I, me. I was as... never really into police shows in what? general. Can yeah. you imagine that? I cannot. Um, yeah, but even was... when you're so well represented here, <laughs> yeah, it, it was like there's always like these like mythical punk rock episodes of various shows, yeah, and yeah. you know we'd make a point to try and find that. Everyone oh, I sure. knew always had some you know, warped old VHS copy with like yes. a couple things recorded off the TV, but that was about the extent of my experience of I with never, chips. As I a never child. watched this was my first time watching this. I hadn't yeah. remembered watching it, but I do remember fucking rocking out to that song as a little kid. Just like march like sincerely marching in place. Like this song touched my heart. Uh, it was also wow. written by Alan Silvestri, who did a lot of uh, soundtracks. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Back to the, uh, did the Practical Magic soundtrack, I believe. Uh, Back to the Future, I think. And Black to the Future. <laughs> God. Which is a lesser known one. Mm-hmm. You well understand what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
the theme song just goes berserk and then it's over. Um, uh, yeah, you were trying to figure out a way to describe this. Coke field is the way to describe this. So now yeah. we're back in the we're back in the special world of the hero's journey. We have crossed the threshold. That call to adventure is this pink van smashing into the beach, and the chips officers are still chasing the punkers. Uh, as you said, it's like they're it's in, in Silver Lake, yeah, for and sure. then they're but it's also the beach, and somehow they're just going around extended motorcycle minutes of a motorcycle yeah. chase going through residential neighborhoods. Also, aren't these CHP officers like way what out of their jurisdiction? <laughs> like, what are they, what doing? Are they doing? Just like hanging out on the beach and they're like, oh, we're working, like eating hot dogs on the boardwalk. Yeah. Yes. Oh, like, I thought CHP existed to patrol highways specifically and then you have the regular de- police well, department yes, to patrol H- everything else. Exactly. It's the H in chips for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's one of the only three letters that actually exists in the word chips. I don't, I haven't watched any of their episodes so I don't know how often they do this where they're just like whatever's happening that's yeah. our jurisdiction I mean maybe that's just what makes this episode so special I think so <laughs> well I'm gonna say that they devote a lot of time to what is a stolen guitar like I Are wrote they, down I was like do they check in with pe- everyone this often yeah, I'm sorry. Have, has murder not been invented yet, Chips? Do you just have time to be like, but that guitar seems real cool. Yeah, they're like, guitar got stolen. I'm going to check in with the victim five times today. Yeah. Um, I got put on fucking hold when I called 911 one time. <laughs> like legitimately, like it was a shitty like 80s comedy. I yep. called the police when there was a car. I was in a car accident in an Uber and um, it was raining and I called the police and I got put on hold. Yep. I could not get through the police. But no, no, it's cool. Maybe they were all looking for guitars. You didn't call the chips. You just I guess called not. the regular I, I guess police. I'll have to throw a fucking van at the beach if I want to get some <laughs> attention out of this. Well, it's okay. All you got to do is take the parking brake off, and then it will roll in a straight line straight down That's to good. the beach. Also, there are some laws about how you're supposed to park your car with the wheels facing the curb. Snow pink so. don't care. Well, it's, I'm yeah, saying right. Snow Pink's a bit at fault. Snow Pink, the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> Jesus oh <my> Christ. <laughs> okay. So but I think back then, Manic was also Coke-fueled. <laughs> well, right, yeah. <laughs> so the, the punks lead the cops on a motorcycle chase that eventually ends up under the pier. Mm-hmm. And they see there's a huge gro- group of punks hanging out under the pier. Uh, like, pier. Of course, they're... At the beach in leather jackets yeah. and all black ensembles, like like one wears to hang out under the pier at the beach. And the cops hesitate. They're very outnumbered. They're mm-hmm. kind of looking around, and they're going to have to do a bit of a gauntlet thing where they drive their motorcycles between two lines of punks. And now we know the special world is punk world. <laughs> like as if under the pier is some sort of temporary autonomous yes. zone yeah. where the laws yes. of men do not apply. Uh, better watch out, Punch. There's a lot of yellow barrels here. And like armed police officers on motorcycles are no match for teenage no. kids in boots and braces. No, no. But no. threw a can at me. <laughs> ride, Punch, ride. <laughs> There's a fishing pier and a small amusement park directly above your head, so you can imagine what it smells like underneath yeah, that pier. Yeah, I'm like guessing. Like, you go under there for, like, five minutes to, like, smoke a bowl with your friends. Absolutely. And, like, you know, under the cover of darkness, and then you'd immediately, yeah. like, squick out, because that's, uh, it's just gross. So you would what? I'm sorry, what? Never you, would, you would squick out? Tell me all about it. I feel like that's what's happening to the cops in this side. They're squicking out as they drive. (laughs) And I imagine if you're under the pier, only the best things are falling on top of you. Right? Dollar bills. Only the choicest body fluids. Oh, God. It's like Bourbon Street under there. Is this a rainbow? No, no, more urine. More urine. More urine. 
All right. So back at the beach, a man is wearing extremely short shorts in the foreground as cops <laughs> examine the snow pink van in the background. I didn't notice that. Oh, man. He's, oh, we forgot. We forgot uh, Chekhov's... Um, um, uh, lighter? No, no, no. Chekhov's uh, skatress or roller skate girl. <laughs> right. The, the chips are hot on the trail. The reason that they, they don't catch these punkers is because a roller skate girl crosses a crosswalk. <laughs> right, they have to wait, and they shake their heads like, like we can't oh. fucking run over pedestrians. Oh, they were the world's ready to unfair. Like, blow through this stop sign. They're like, oh man. Right, and also they can't. They'll tell be able to be like back at their gang now, where there's like eight of them. So back at the beach, uh, the cops have a uh, snow harper shows up, the owner of the van, and she's all decked out in pink, and she has pink hair, and uh, she has like this makeup, which they're trying to pass off as like new wavy makeup, yeah. and the leg warmers over heels combo that we all miss so much from the early 80s. We also meet Chip's officer, Bonnie Clark, who informs us of what was stolen, which amounts to some microphones, a bass guitar, and a regular guitar. Did they call the FBI at this point? Because this sounds like an important case. I feel like Chip's can handle anything. Clearly they have no restraints on their jurisdiction. Manson family. Black Dahlia murders. Some guitars. (laughs) A guitar. So There's a couple guitars and some microphones. This Okay, so this is... A lot of plot happens in 10 seconds. This is the thing that, this is what I figured out about chips. Yeah, it's a real pilot We have minutes of motorcycle chases, minutes of like car pile-up chases, minutes of singing. In this episode, many minutes of singing. So all the plot has to happen in like very quick bursts when it happens. So here's all the plot points we get in 10 seconds right now. Officer Bonnie Clark brings up Poncha's band again, lest we forget Poncha's in a band. She says it's great. She's wrong. Um, <laughs> Snow Pink has pink hair because the rock world already had Blondie. She points that out for sure. It's more um, red than pink. Punch doesn't know the difference between punk and new wave, so Snow Pink lays it out for him. Punks are an into an angry thing. New wave, we're just having fun. Glad we settled that. That makes no <laughs> sense in terms of what the music sounds like. You know. And then Snow Pink tells them if they do find her stuff today, she's rehearsing at the Breaking Point in Hollywood, which is going to be a major location for the show. Yeah. So all that happens in like 10 seconds. I'm already tired of hearing and saying Snow Pink. I know. <laughs> My it's mouth so doesn't bad. want to do it. It's like a thing where her name is Snow, un- inexplicably, really, her name is Snow Harper. Mm. And her whole band is like a, uh, like a Snow White themed thing. Like she dresses kind of like Snow White, and then the guys in the band are kind of dressed in like like capes and like fairy tale regalia. I wrote down that they had uh, they had raided the the dumpster behind the Peter Frampton store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like Roy Wood and Wizard. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like Spinal Tap would make fun of them. Yeah. Oh my tunics. god, tunics! Oh my god. So many tunics. Yeah. And, she was and when out. they when they play later, spoiler alert. I describe them as Blondie without the edge or sex appeal. Yeah. So yeah. there's like, it's like Blondie's light show <laughs> and this is happening. Oh, you know what I described it as? Shitty. <laughs> <laughs> just so we're clear and Kylie, you can totally tell me that I'm completely wrong about this, but just for the sake of clarification between punk and new wave, because the episode's not going to do it for you. Mm. Punk was late 70s anti-establishment based on guitar rock, three chord rock and new wave is a little, came a little bit later, more electronic laying the foundation for synth pop and electronica. And so it's a it's a it's a difference between sort of synthy sound and guitar sound. Less about anger, I think, than the episode would like us to believe that one is about fun and one is about anger. Do you remember yeah. the New Wave Wars? <laughs> <laughs> How many friends did you lose in the punk V New Wave Wars <laughs> of the eighties? 
Pisces. Um, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, it's it's more of like a poppy, like post punk kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a it's, Depeche Mode kind of a exactly. Thing. Like People. I would think Depeche Mode, New Order, like yeah. early Ministry, things like that. Definitely not whatever music she was playing in that Whoa. episode. Oh, my God. We'll <laughs> oh get you there. mean we'll Beatles get covers? Because we'll that's yeah, all she exactly, does. We'll exactly. There. Very shitty Beatles oh, covers. My God. What I had heard, and it probably. The, the influences lead up to this is Gary Newman going into a studio meaning to play rock and roll, but there's like a synthesizer there, and he's like, what's this about? And he writes Cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got a demo feature. Let's use that. We go back to the cop shop, back to the, I don't know if it's a precinct, I don't know if it's a, if it's, I don't know what to call it, so I just Cop. called it the cop shop, the California <laughs> yep. Highway Patrol. I, I called it the station because I'm being generous. Yeah. <laughs> Folks are kidding Punch about his show again. Sounds like the entire fucking department was there. I hope no one was out robbing banks the night before this episode mm-hmm. because it sounds like every California Highway Patrolman down to the receptionist was at Punch's show. Yes. Uh, let's, let's address these people. <laughs> <laughs> We have a bunch of cops that come in here. There's the one guy who's clearly like the boss. And then some guy comes in in a lab coat and is like, you guys are going through tires like they're going out of style. And this dude is so wormy. He is so, so wriggly. He is just a thousand worms standing on each other's shoulders (laughs) and wearing a lab coat. So we have the chief. We have Wormy Magoo. (laughs) Wormy Magoo. They loved Poncha's singing. And John, we find out Poncha's partner. Has not gone has to never see seen one of these him. shows. Yep. Um, <laughs> this is a major have, dramatic point in this episode. We also have uh, Officer Jebediah Turner, the only black person we'll see in this episode. Played by Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn, yes. Who played yes. Worf in Star Trek. Amazing. So, cool. Yeah, there's some real Hollywood royalty in this. <laughs> Uh, Other than Eric Estrada. And then we also have Officer Grossman, who'll come into play much later. Is he the fucking dancing guy? Yes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. his real name. I'm calling him Officer Goofus, and we're all going to go along with it. <laughs> well, they al- they already call him Grossy, so that's... Not, not they enough. did have not to work enough. for you. Everything that he does is wrong. So it seems like what mostly happens around this office is there's a long conference table, and they sit around and talk about their schedule. That, that, that is what, and Poncha's singing. And Poncha's singing career. Officer Jebediah Worf Turner comes in with some, quote, dead mics that were found in a cemetery where the groundskeeper saw some, quote, weird looking bikers. I fucking love this. Banging them on everything in sight. I'm sorry. I love this I'm so sorry. Much. These people are in a band. They steal microphones, uh-huh. which could be possibly potentially useful. Nope. They've got, they've they go got... to a cemetery. They bang them on tombstones. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, is there anything more fucking punk rock than banging microphones on tombstones in a graveyard? Only if you're taking field recordings. Boom. In the middle of the day. Yeah. And then just leaving them there. What? And then Ponch shakes his head like... He he holds the microphones. Of course, they belong to Snow Pink. He turns it around because there's like a little piece of tape on it that yeah. says Snow. And then he shakes his head. Ponch just shakes his head like he's holding a dead child. The reactions on this show are all over the map. These microphones were somebody's daughters, somebody's wives, <laughs> somebody's microphones. Van, Van careens down a hill, jumps a car, crashes into a beach. And the sergeant goes, did you eh. see that? Yeah, it's something. <laughs> This microphone comes in, it's a little banged up, will never work again, and Punch shakes his head like, at how many casualties will there be in this punk versus new wave war? Never grew up to be a microphone. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> One thing they don't ever show the punkers doing that they did show them doing at Quincy and Me is drugs or smoking. 
There was so much yeah. in the Quincy Amy episode about them being on drugs and everyone's on drugs and that was like a big thing. And then, so you could kind of a little bit as a observer, even this far in the future, be like, well, okay, you don't want little kids running around on like doping each other, like drugging each other without their knowledge, sure. whatever. Fine. We can all agree. If you take drugs, you should at least know about it. But this episode, <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea, that's right? been a moment with Chelsea. <laughs> this, if you're going to take drugs, at least at know, least about, know about, it. about it. This episode, there isn't any talk about drugs or alcohol yeah. or smoking. It's all like anger. It's all like, they're so angry and they're just shredding things. And who wants to be angry all the time? And I was like, we're going to, can we can ground this in an actual crime? I think that they're trying to like set it up. They're trying to shorthand. First of all, they've got a lot of uh, chasing and disco music to play um, the same That's song true. over and over again. And I'm marched in place every time. Um, <laughs> but it seems like they want to keep this as focused on like the music of the time. Now, uh, I grew up in suburbs and the swamp and things like that. Fancy Gap. Um, Fancy Gap, Virginia. And we were all, like, the impression that I got of music at that time was very filtered through white panic lens. <laughs> uh, satanic panic, music is going to corrupt your child and stuff like that. Was there any sort of sensibility in Los Angeles, or did people just buy into that across the, the fucking country? And people were like, oh, punks, you know, punk music is is causing this... Instead of being like, you know, crime is is crime. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that was some that was an opinion that was pretty per- pervasive amongst the mainstream in general. Mm. I mean, not just music, but like a social movement that is all about sort of disrupting social norms, mm. even if occasionally it's just for shock value. If you stand to benefit from maintaining the status quo in the mainstream, then you're gonna be afraid of it. Absolutely, you're gonna be really against it. Punk comes from. Like, musically, it has influences in, uh, like, garage rock bands from the 60s. You know, you think, like, Iggy and the Stooges. Like, the Stooges, you would always think of as, like, a punk band. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were, you know, they started in the 60s. -hmm. Politically, you can even trace it back through other, like, avant-garde art, political, social movements. Um, The Situationists in, uh, in France and Europe in the... 50s through the 70s. I've never heard Situationists. Oh, it's really interesting. They were a big, it was a collective of sort of avant-garde philosophers, artists. I think Guy Debord was like kind of like a major player. He wrote a book called Society of the Spectacle. Mm -hmm. It's very, very interesting. The thing that I like about punk music, especially sort of like early 80s British punk music, like Sex Pistols, is that it's people looking around and being like, our communities are so economically depressed. Mm-hmm. There is no future in this like burnt out mining town for me or the people of my, like, what are we going to do? You yeah. know? And it comes from this desperation. That's not, not because they're teenagers. It's because like society has fucked them over yeah. and, mm-hmm. and they're sick of just like nodding along with yeah. that, you know? And in, in all these episodes, they never, no, I mean, Quincy does a little bit, the broach the idea of like, this is a little bit society's fault, maybe, society. but you're reacting. Society. This is, this episode is just like, man, they're just so angry. They yeah. just want to bump yeah. into each other. They're, what is it troublemakers. They yeah. say the word troublemakers like oh, 10 sure. times throughout this, uh, this episode. You know, it's these people, everybody is just a troublemaker and you should simply choose not to be a troublemaker and then you'll get along in society just fine. It ignores any sort of like economic disparity or or depression or any cultural uh, deprivation as well. It's just, 
it just discounts all of it in the name of being, you know, a lawful citizen. And that's like what I was talking about with these social and political movements. They're the situationists were, you know, these like social revolutionaries, these avant-garde artists and philosophers, and they heavily influenced. There was like another another group around the same time in London, King Mob, which Malcolm, which was kind of like a similar doing a similar thing in England. Mm -hmm. They based a lot of their philosophies on Marxism, sort of social Marxism and his theory of alienation, which is, you know, estrangement from your own humanity, essentially. Mm. All the social dysfunction and degradation of the sort of like commodity fetishism of late capitalism. Malcolm McLaren and and Vivian Westwood, who sort of put together the Sex Pistols and that whole scene were involved with King Mob, um, which kind of came from the Situationists and... Paris. I mean, I'm like, this is like really, really oversimplifying all of it. Sure. But, you know, like, well, I mean, you can... it's a deeper dive than it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's good that somebody's about... giving a voice for punkers <laughs> yeah. instead of just There's being actually like... a really fascinating episode of 99% Invisible that's about punk fashion, about like Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McCleary and like what the idea of like how to dress how to com- commodify dressing like you don't care how you're dressed. Like, it's, it's really interesting mm. because it's, it's like, um, they talk about what it means to wear things because you deeply identify with how they with how they express your inner life and then how what it means to wear things that you like identify you with a movement so like the people that come up with the thing and then the people that see it and go like oh I'm, I I want to be part of that and yeah. then like try to tack on to it's really fascinating just like from a design perspective also chronologically yeah this episode aired 11 months before the quincy emmy episode so they're both 1982 this is january and quincy was december of 1982 it feels like this is this is a i mean you can't say it's a direct trend from one to the other but it's certainly 80s and 90s uh, early 90s media all has this shorthand where it's like Here's what's good and here's what's bad. We don't even have to talk about it. You know that chips are the good guys and these are the bad guys. Right. There were moments in this episode where like somebody's like uh, Duke, this this club owner's like, I just don't like troublemakers, and he's like, I thought you didn't like cops, and he's like, Well, sometimes it's one of the same. And I was like, Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I feel yeah. like there were a lot of a lot of like uh, low income people. A lot but then of, he like, got his, didn't he? He sure did. Well, yeah, he gets a lecture because he didn't it. trust he didn't trust the cops, so he got spoiler alert locked up and tied up and assaulted in his own club. Absolutely. That's what he gets for not trusting cops. And what is this podcast about except addressing issues in oversimplified ways that completely (laughs) discount anybody's actual experience? Right, right, right. Um, Speaking of that... Yeah, Yeah, how about it? (laughs) Let's go to the Breaking Point Club where... uh, fucking Breaking Point. Snow Pink is doing a a quick new wave cover of Twist and Shout. This is fucking miserable. (laughs) So bad. It's so bad. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be even lazier than the Quinn Emmy episode. At least they wrote a punk song. But no, no, we'll get there. We'll get to the original you know punk song written you know for the episode. All I can think is, hey, Quincy Emmy, you want to arrest this music? <laughs> Please? Please. Actually, Quincy, if it doesn't have this music in it, maybe we'll join your sick society. <laughs> Punch and John go to uh, to give her back her microphones for whatever fucking reason. Her broken microphones that microphones. she can't use. <laughs> she looks at them with like such disdain, like, oh, they've got graveyard crud all over them now. <laughs> so then her brother Duke owns the club, it turns out. He's been auditioning band tapes all day. And then he uh, he's like, and he throws this tape down. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a really good impression of what he does. He's listening to a tape and he rips off his headphones and he goes, Arr! just like that. It's really and good. And somehow before, like, 
I knew, I already knew that he was listening to a band of the guys that stole the instruments. Like, they haven't even established that, we haven't even established yet that they have a band. Mm -hmm. They could have just been stealing instruments (laughs) to pawn them or whatever. But I was like, I know somehow he's listening to Trasher (laughs) sing. Um, My ears! Yeah, fun fact about this dude, he fucking hates music. (laughs) He hates music, he hates punks, he hates troublemakers, he hates cops, he hates everybody. Yet somehow he owns a music venue in Hollywood. Yeah, and has apparently come up with an idea to get as many bands as possible in one place at one time. (laughs) Right, he's like, you know what's better than having to book two bands if you hate bands? Booking eight bands for the same night. You know what I think Duke hates more than anything? Duke. (laughs) Good assessment. Um, he does seem to like his sister, though. And she's the only person he likes. Uh, yeah. Snow Pink. So the cops leave. She goes over to talk to him, and she's like, why were you mean to those cops? I was flirting with them. And, <laughs> and, and Duke says, he's like, oh, I was listening to this band, Pain. I don't want to book them. They're too punk. And she says, well, why'd you open a club for the new music if you're just going to censor all the bands? Solid point. And so Duke agrees to book Pain, but if they make trouble, they're out of here. Ugh. Cut to Trasher in bed in the middle of the day in his very nice house. All right, guys, I don't want to oversell this, but this is my favorite scene on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Please walk us through it. Okay, so, so, so. There's a phone call in like a house, like a, a nice suburban kind of a house. Yep. Trasher gets the call. He answers it. He goes, yeah, what? Yeah, that's fine. And hangs it up and then starts like screaming at the top of his lungs and war crying and stuff like that. His straight laced father comes in the room. And what the scene is, is Trasher telling his father that despite his father's uh, uh, disparaging remarks, he's gotten into Battle of the Bands. However, the way this scene is acted between Trasher's uh, reaction to getting in the band and his father's complete overwhelming despair, it is though this father wakes Trasher up every day by going, (laughs) you'll never get into Battle of the Bands! Every single fucking day of his life. And this is the way we end the act with with Trasher going, and his father going, no. His father is like a human face palm. He's just like, <laughs> Truly. I even Truly. wrote, it's probably his stepfather. <laughs> just like, I, you know what? I, if I'm a writer on this, I, I throw in a first name. <laughs> I got a battle of the bands, Dan. <laughs> Call me dad. Never. Not my real dad. Give me more beef stew. <laughs> I don't know why. I Get out of my room. Stew. I'm 99 years old. Get out of my too old to be living. I mean, this actor just doesn't look like a teenager. He's always you know? looked 50 years old. <laughs> he's always looked like he's had the mileage under his belt. You know what I'm saying? Is that guy running his hands all the way across his face your younger brother? Like, it doesn't... Yeah. They, they aren't so far apart in age. I feel, I feel bad that I did not pay any attention to Trasher's room to try to find, like, evidence of what old people think. No. Punkers. Oh, I noticed. Did you? <laughs> Please. Please, give yes. us your assessment. The, the posters that I could... That I could make out were the psychedelic furs, which is like fine, but like Fair. that's mm-hmm. definitely like a new wave. Right. Yep, 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 yep. Um, the police. I'm sorry, but Sting yes. is not punk rock. So punk. <laughs> that that so slightly punk. popified reggae band. <laughs> and don't stand so close to punk. Right Joe there. Joe Eli Ely E L Y I. I had to look him up. Familiar. He's a country musician. Sure. What is going on here? <laughs> That's Dan's poster. Dan was like, this will look nice in here. <laughs> I'm going to take your John Eli poster down. Don't you do it. <laughs> yeah. And then in other scenes where he's like, I don't know, not in his bedroom, but in like, it looks like a garage with his friends, yeah, yeah. like right, band practice or something. Yeah. It's the exact same posters that Shut they have the moved up. from the bedroom. Like the set dressers have moved from the bedroom 
to Amazing. the garage or I something. I think that's supposed to be Potato Head's garage. Is it? I think. They, they bought the posters. Yeah. <laughs> they they went together to, yeah. the, to the Hot Potato Topic. Yeah. You take yeah. John Eli with you. <laughs> yeah. There's also... Uh, Eli? Eli. <laughs> There's also an Oingo Boingo poster. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And a Point Blank poster. American oh. Excess Point Blank. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's just lazy. Cut to the beach for my favorite scene of right. the entire episode. Right. Uh, Ponch is trolling the beach for blondes. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite scene as well. <laughs> I wrote that he's chipping by himself. <laughs> he's on a solo chip. And he <laughs> comes upon a blonde in a bikini who's trying to replace her flat tire by beating it with a tire. <laughs> gently. Like gently just tap, tap. The tire is clearly slashed with a knife, and she's just tapping it with a tire iron, trying to figure out. <laughs> I feel like if we'd gotten to her sooner, she'd be going, "Come on, tire! Come on, tire! Be a tire! Come on, tire! Why so aren't you tiring?" He, he pulls over, and he's like, "Do you need some help?" And she says, "Yeah, my tire got slashed second time this month. The beach scene's getting to be a real nightmare." And then he says, "Do you want me to help you change the tire?" And she says, "Quote." Yeah, I've had it with women's lib. <laughs> that was my favorite line from the whole episode. I wrote, Jesus fucking male TV writer Christ. Like, I've had it with women's lib. Yeah. What a joke. <laughs> the hot blonde in the bikini says, I've had it with women's lib while she's juggling. <laughs> no, this is, yeah. the ma- this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen on network television. It's so good. So she says the people causing trouble are the punkers, and then she proceeds to tell us Trasher's entire backstory yeah. while juggling oranges in a bikini mm-hmm. trashers and haunches ex- on full display oh my god okay so trashers and ex jock ex ex surf nazi that's mm-hmm. a fun new term for me is that a real thing surf nazis all i know is surf nazis must die the the the, the trauma movie yeah yeah that was another <laughs> personal favorite for for sure <laughs> He has a motorcycle. He has an Indian, quote, Indian haircut. Oh, yeah. Mohawk. I wrote that down, too. Uh, He has a band now, and they play at the Dirt Club. And then she she drops all her oranges and goes, oops, wipe out. And let me tell you, (laughs) let me tell you, you haven't seen exposition delivered until you've seen it delivered by an anti-feminist surfer chick juggling oranges in a swimsuit. (laughs) It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on television. Having worked in casting, it just was some old guy going, hey, that jig with the body could juggle. Put her in for bikini girl, too. It, yeah, but it's just like, okay, we've got to get out a lot of exposition yeah. about Trasher. Who could deliver it? Could we have run a background check on him at the station? No. 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 Could we go ask the owner of the Dirt Club to describe him? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. You know what we need? Yeah. A totally disassociated character we've never seen before, we'll never see, see again, mm-hmm. who can juggle and also wear a bikini and be blonde and flirt with Ponch while assuming, she delivers all this exposition. I'm assuming we're role-playing the writer's talking about yeah, this, yeah, right? Yeah. So so I'll be the other writer. Hey, wait a second. That sounds like she's got too much agency. Can we have her say something like, I don't know, women's lib is fucking bullshit? Yeah, she is driving by herself, so you're right. We should do that in case people think that she uh, just does whatever she wants. Yeah, uh, yeah. Boobs are all the way out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Bikini. Right. Pass me that cocaine. She could have put <laughs> she could put a t-shirt on over them, but she won't. Nah, nah, okay. nah, nah, nah. Some for the fellas, finally. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my God. It is the weirdest... In, a, in an episode of incredibly weird things, it is among the weirdest. Now we head to Fashion Passion to check in on fashion, Snow Pink fashion. because 
even though the, what is missing at this point is basically one shitty guitar and one <laughs> less shitty guitar, they need to check in with her seven times today. Yeah. And they tell her all the pawn shops in the area have the description of the guitars, but they might have been ripped off by a punk band. And she's like, musicians don't rip off other musicians. It's an unwritten law. And Punch and, and John look at each other. like They bristle a little. And I'm like, uh-oh, these unwritten laws are going to put us out of business. <laughs> We deal with written laws alone. So then Punch starts looking around the shop for something to wear on stage at his show. And oh, my God. And Snow says she can help him put something together that's really happening. And his partner teases him about wearing two hats at once. So then, of course, Snow puts two hats at once on a mannequin. <sighs> his fashion's all about breaking, breaking the, the rules. rules. Yep. It's like so they understand fashion as much as they understand punk. It's worth pointing out that Punch is like, I should get something super cool for my show tonight. And the two things that he picks out is a tuxedo t-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, fucking cool. And then it, how would you describe this hat? It's kind of like, like a, a it's like a little it. bit like a cowboy hat, but it's not a Stetson. It's like a straw hat, but like a structured straw hat with a bunch yeah. of feathers on it. Yeah. All the wardrobe in this episode looked yeah. like Halloween costumes. They shot it I mean, like I said, it's place. like oh like the God. weird wild ones outfit that they put like the the punkers in, and yeah. then like Snow Pink's weird like her like aerobics rock star, some weird like Olivia Newton John on acid kind type of, but of a then thing. with like old lady crocheted ponchos yes. over the top With like some weird Janis Joplin kind of, I don't even know so I, bad the rest of her, so strange while the rest of her band is meeting the phantom of the park <laughs> right. yeah well they're clearly supposed to be in a fairy tale or something weird it's, like Snope it's so bad it's, it's all so bad yeah. every girl in this show is making eyes of punch in every scene she is I fucking him the bikini juggler was I fucking him. Like every time he walks through a scene, every single and like later when he sings, it will be all women in yeah. the crowd. Meanwhile, just like John's I fucking punch, punch I fucking John. <laughs> a John has some sort of crush on Snow, I think. Yeah, it's real underdeveloped. They don't they don't do anything about it until halfway through the episode, and then they make it act like he's maybe got a crush on her or something. So we cut to the locker room at the cop shop. And John is going home for the night, but Ponch is putting in a few more hours. He's going to go solo chipping again. He's going to cruise by the dirt club. And Officer Grossman. I'm just going to leave the room. I don't even want to remember this. <laughs> Officer, what did you call him? Do- uh, Officer Goofus. Officer, Go- Officer Goofus. Um, is overhearing this conversation, and he's like, oh, the Dirt Club, yeah, I know all about punk and New Wave, and he takes this opportunity to show the other officers the difference between how the New Wave kids dance, the pogo, and how the punk kids dance, the slam. So the pogo is just him jumping up and down in in place, and then the slam is him throwing his full weight of his body against every locker in the room. You know what, Officer Goovis? Just use your words. <laughs> Pogo's when you jump up and down, slams when you slam into things. I'm done. Now yeah. nobody nobody's lost any respect for me whatsoever. But then you didn't you don't know that the more people you slam, the better slam dancer See, you are. You just said that. Now I know it. Okay, you're right. Officer you're right. Goofus. Uh, stop. <laughs> Hold on, let me finish. Being a police officer. Stop being a police right. officer. He also clearly like loves it's weird thing where he I don't know if the writers are trying to be like, you can love this kind of music and like the dancing and everything and still be a cop. But it's like, why is he so excited about let's, it? Let, he makes a point later on. I want to talk Maybe about Maybe bring their... somebody's kid in to deliver this exposition or something. Like, use... Why is one of the cops so excited about this? Exactly. They use him for a point later on. So I want to bring it up. Oh, then. yeah, they do. <laughs> but but let's the one takeaway from this scene that we definitely need to have is I fucking hate this guy. All right, moving along. <laughs> That'll be important later. Yeah, he's definitely the worst. Yeah, so we go to the Dirt Club. 
the yeah. aforementioned, but we don't go into the Dirt Club. No, we're we? on the roof of the Dirt Club. Trasher and his bandmates are having a little acoustic rehearsal. With it's some, a real unplugged with some, <laughs> some pain groupies on the roof of the Dirt pain Club. <laughs> they wrote a song called I Dig Pain. Groundbreaking. <laughs> Fucking groundbreaking. Remember when the Sex Pistols released that song? Hey, you heard about the Sex Pistols? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, do the Misfits dance. <laughs> so the chips show up downstairs on the street. And, uh, <laughs> Wait. We cannot rush through this first things first. Trasher uses his chain wallet lighter to light Potato Head's armpit on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kisses him on the head. Yeah. And he's like, sorry. Punk stuff. It's real. It's a real Bender's dad in uh, in a breakfast club. Yeah. Smoke about Potato Head. <laughs> you know what Trasher got me for Christmas this year? Look at my armpit. <laughs> Cubs show up. And and either Potato Head or Fido, are they interchangeable, says, man, those chips are here for the guitar. That's the hottest case this year. Yeah, really. <laughs> they have to they be found here. us in an hour and a half, essentially. Truly. And so Trasher's like, if they want these guitar, they want this guitar, they can have it. And he throws it off the roof and everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> he throws the bass guitar off the roof, the shitty one. Oh, uh, that's right. It is the bass guitar. And yeah. it hits a car below, which ultimately causes spectacular three-car pileups. <laughs> it's fucking nonsense. <laughs> it's amazing. And then the, the cops run over to make sure everyone's okay and everyone's okay. Somehow. Uh, and yeah, inexplicably. Yeah. And then Trasher. They didn't have seatbelts back then. You know, Trasher, Fido, and Potato Head take off, and another motorcycle chase ensues. Yeah, you, you gotta be sick of this jazzy chase music, but you're fucking wrong. <laughs> Worth pointing out here is that when Joe, John, John or Joe? John. Uh, Joe Eli, John the uh. cop. Excuse me, I'm such a fan of Joe Eli John all of a sudden. John the Chip. John the Chip. Uh, when he calls it in, he gives his uh, radio identification as Seven Mary Three, which is where the band Seven Mary Three, who sang the song Cumbersome, got their name. What the fuck? What? Cumbersome, the song that... Oh, I know the, the song. No, no, the 90s song where they used a thesaurus at least one time. <laughs> wow. Yep, it's fun fact... Seven Mary three. You can't see all the quotation marks I'm putting around fun. <laughs> Potato Head goes home, and the cops lose him because he goes into his own garage, which I think is also where they practice. Sure, man. And then there's, there's a thing where his mother calls from the opposite room. <laughs> Philip! Philip, is that you? And where were you? And he says, I was out. And she goes, do you have fun? Which I think was kind of funny. <laughs> it was. Even punk moms, am I right? <laughs> oh, punk mom. The other two punkers ditch their bike and jump over a barbed wire fence, which they grab with their bare hands. So Ponch and John get there and they see blood on the barbed wire fence because the camera pans in on it super closely. Oh, I and didn't have HD, so I didn't see this. This leads Punch to say, those guys are crazy. Like seeing their like scraps of their clothes mm. and blood on the barbed wire. He says, those guys are crazy. They left their motorcycles behind. They left their fucking motorcycle there. Back at the cop shop, they've run the plates on the punk's motorcycle, and it's registered to someone who moved to Germany six months ago, so no clues there. There's something about the Dirt Club has had to close. It's in the paper. The Dirt Club had to close, citing police harassment. And I'm just like... Well, because there was a three-car pileup outside, you had to close your... Like, why did you... Because that the 
I guess the pain was your only band and now they don't play there. Like, why did you have to close? It doesn't actually make any sense. They cut to Worf who finds no honor in this new story. (laughs) Um, And then the best line of the episode. I didn't write down the line itself, but. Oh my God, I sure did. (sighs) So John sets it up. He tees it up for him. He Uh. says. (laughs) Because, I mean, do you need to tee up a home run that's this? (laughs) Right. This slam dunk of a home run? Slam dance of a home run. So Officer Grossman, Officer Goofus, is in the room. And John says, I don't get these punks. It's not as if they're underprivileged kids from the ghetto. I know that's a problematic word. I'm quoting directly. And then Grossman says, the suburbs can be a ghetto too, John. An overprivileged kid can get just as lost. Try finding your identity in a place where every house looks the same. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> the hey, suburbs you know can be a ghetto too, John. On behalf John. of white people... We got this one. <laughs> right. Shut up. Keep our names out your mouth. <laughs> um, are we supposed to be on board with this? Like, what do the writers believe and what are they trying to... Ke- this is the point where I'm just sort of like, is this? Is he supposed to sound like ridiculous or is that 2019 listening? Nobody retorts, though. Nobody's like, yo, wrong, dumbass, and here's why. So it's like, is this a valid point of view then? That's what I'm wondering. But he's clearly the dumbest person on the planet. Yeah, and also, like, <laughs> by the end of the episode, we're supposed to think they're horrible people who just want to destroy everything. So are we supposed to have sympathy for them or are we not? Like this this argument, I'm, I'm sorry to say this argument just boggles my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's something to be said about like a dry culture, but don't throw the word ghetto around like that's something you can apply to every also, situation. Also, you know they fucking live somewhere near Santa Monica. They're not from the suburbs. And Los Feliz. Um, <laughs> they live somewhere yeah. between Silver Lake and Santa Monica. <laughs> somewhere in the east-west central LA area. <laughs> It's like when somebody's being sarcastic and you're not 100% sure if they're being sarcastic. It's like, are you making fun of me? Yeah, no. So now we have to get into John and Ponch's B story. It's, Whoa, it's it's so far, but it's like they do the entire B storyline right here. I'm calling it an F story because that's <laughs> if it was a restaurant, that's the great idea right. to do it. Yeah. yeah, Ponch has a singing rehearsal. So right now, instead right. of going back out to look, do more chipsing, Ponch has to go <laughs> rehearse, get his new set of clothes from Passion Fashion. He's got a big day ahead of him. He's got to go back and forth. He's putting a lot into the show, he says, because it's his last. Yeah. After this, they're going to have a lot of misunderstandings that mean that this scene must have ended here. He must have said, it's my last one. And then they just stopped talking to each other and walked away. It doesn't make sense that he even says that because later they're going to have a misunderstanding about this being his last show. So it seems like it should have been just back and forth. Yeah, I got all this stuff to do for my show. End of conversation. But there's a lot of like the way that they're talking to each other has a lot of like, I want to say something, but I, I can't say something, but I want to say something. So... I don't know. I haven't watched this show a lot. How many how many episodes do they show them kissing in? At least half, I bet. Okay, cool. I bet, I bet that's probably Yeah, because it, right? what's happening is obviously the subtext is that John is afraid that Punch is going to break up their partnership to pursue a singing career. Um, and Punch, because Punch is really good at it, everyone says in every okay. scene how great he is. And, and Punch I really loves like, it. I feel like everybody, you'll get to the end of this episode and you're like, was everybody being a piece of shit to Punch? <laughs> he is fucking terrible. All right, all right. We'll get there. Right. So to bury his feelings in work, John goes. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on a cowboy themed Oh, no, not, not yet. Oh, okay, sorry. So he goes back to the breaking point and he offers extra security 
to Duke for the battle. There's a battle of the bands happening oh, tonight. Snow is- Pink is playing at the battle of bands, and we know Payne is playing at the battle of bands. And so he goes and he says, Duke, do you want extra security? And Duke's like, no. If there are more cops around, it gives the kids more reasons to get provoked, which is gr- grammatically horrifying. Um, <laughs> um, There's a lot of levels to it. He's like, you're going to regret that, you know, and. And Duke's like, nah, whatever. So then he goes inside. John goes inside to pick up Ponch's outfit because Snow is there rehearsing and she's brought Ponch's outfit. And Ponch just said he had to go pick up the outfit. And we didn't hear John uh, go, I'll get that uh, for you. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's so too, there's too much. There's a nice joke at Ponch's expense, though, because Snow says she hopes she didn't make the outfit too tight. Quoth John, no such thing. We're going to see later on, by the way. I don't know if it's industry standards, but I mean, everything is on display. But then there's so much flirting between the two of them in this scene. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, he clearly likes her. And maybe she do, is doing the manic pixie dream girl thing where she's like, flirts with every like everyone thinks that she's flirting with them yeah. but he's like clearly like giving her side eye and like there's a moment she comes and she's like do you like my outfit and he's like speechless for a moment so there's this setup of like something happening here let alone duke says she's in there changing and john's like better go yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> better get on in there then shouldn't i but then she says that Ponch's band is booked for two weeks at the airport hotel in sacramento <laughs> a real big break for them Kill yourself. (laughs) That's the name of the lounge. Welcome to Sacramento. While you you're know, in Sacramento, you know the phrase the "Don't quit yourself. your day job." Yeah. Like your day job is so much cooler than, <laughs> than your than your cool job in this instance. This is such a step down. And if you socially, don't, economically, <laughs> spiritually, dignity wise, yeah. So Snow says to John, "Don't forget about tonight. I left your name at the door." Um, so apparently, John is coming to the Battle of Bands, even though he's he's not coming to work security. He's just coming as a private person who yeah. is in love with Snow Pink, and he's like. There won't be too many punks here, will there? And I want her to be like, I can't control who comes to this thing. But she says, they're just some kids with growing pains. They'll probably be doctors and lawyers someday. Are all your friends doctors and lawyers now? Actually, a few. What? (laughs) Let's let's get to the, the, the battle of the band. So we go to... Payne has a rehearsal, and since they've climbed over a barbed wire fucking fence, <laughs> turns out they hurt their fingers a bit. They've hurt the front of their fingers. <laughs> Inexplicably! You think about trying to climb over a barbed wire fence, you would grab it with the palms of your hands, but it's the front of their fingers yeah. that are all fucked up. And I'm like, would you slice your hands down the barbed wire and then climb up? Like, what the Well, only make any Fido sense. has bandages on his fingers. Yeah, because Trasher's too Trasher, hardcore for Trasher bandages. doesn't have anything. He's not bleeding profusely. It just looks like he's kind of tired of playing. Which is, Fido's all, we don't have a prayer to win this thing because their fingers are all fucked up. And Trasher's like, fine, then nobody will win. And Potato Head is all, they're going to hate us. And Trasher's like, good, let him go savage. So the plan evolves now. The new plan is not to win the Battle of the Bands, but to work up the crowd so they get so angry that they then destroy the club. And the rest of the band has to pretend to be excited that Trasher's <laughs> plan B is trashing a thing. Because <laughs> like, guess oh, what? That's also his plan A and C <laughs> and the rest of the letters. There's some real Bond villain-esque laughter at the end of this thing, too. Yeah. Uh, he's like, it's close, like tight on his face and he's just maniacally giggling yeah. um, and I think playing with his lighter maybe too sure never um, forget that he's got that lighter right never forget and he knows how to light it at least one time alright so now we're going to the inmost cave once again the inmost cave is a nightclub and the inmost cave is hosted by DJ Miles Pulaski <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
It might, it might, uh, it might as well be a time traveling Miles Pulaski. Like if Miles Pulaski in ten years invents a time machine and gets some of those like thin band of glasses, sunglasses, mm-hmm. and goes back to a, a shitty club. Like only I know how to DJ. Like only. <laughs> Outside the Breaking Point Club, uh, we have to wrap up the F storyline. So the chips have a heart to heart. John is sad and he says, I'm sad because I think that you're going to Sacramento for two weeks and you're going to break up our partnership. And then Punch says, the band is going, not me. I'm I'm giving it all up to continue to be a highway patrolman with my full focus because I've worked really hard. I'm at the top of my game. Yeah, I've worked so hard to get here. So I'm I'm staying. I'm as policeman as I'm ever going to (laughs) get. Right. But he does regret Punch says he does regret that John never heard him sing, but then he cryptically says, but you will. So it's the battle of the band's time. The boys of pain decide to be real punks by drinking alone in the bathroom with each other and ripping the hand towel dispenser off the wall because that's how cool they are. It's it's worth noting the other names of some of the bands that DJ Miles Pulaski calls out. (laughs) The Snow Pink and Pain are on there, but also the bands Bog. Crispy Credence mm-hmm. and Split Milkshake. I had have to imagine that Crispy Credence does Credence covers while eating donuts. Oh, a lot of mouth sounds. <laughs> a lot of mouth sounds. <laughs> I ain't no fortunate son. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> okay, so, so back to... Pain the... is taking over the bathroom like yeah. real punks. <laughs> Pain is taking over the sure. bathroom. They're not letting anybody in, even men with blue hair. And then, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the guy that tried to get in. He had like, like a 70s dad mustache with spray on purple and blue, yes. like Halloween hair. It was great. I think his mustache may have even been no, sprayed a wait color. Wait a second. I'm going to be it's pretty good. I'm an extra in the untouchables in a couple weeks. Is this going to come out? No, you're fine. All right. So then Snow Pink plays another Beatles cover, a little child this time. She's it's again, she's like, she's like the worst blondie cover band you've ever seen and the ki- some kids are trying to pogo until the boys of pain take the dance floor and start slam dancing and starting fights it's just as officer goofus predicted i better hope nobody has an ice pick <laughs> <laughs> uh, there'll be some beaded curtain confessions later <laughs> duke tries to throw trasher out and potato head pulls a switchblade on him is it though this is the the flimsiest metal. And his hand is shaking so hard. I want to be like, Duke, all you really got to do is like, just land a swift kick to his shin and he's going to drop that thing. Put that down. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Philip. And he says to Duke, explain this. Hey, Kylie, thank goodness you're here. You can <laughs> interpret this line for me. He's holding the knife menacingly. Duke is trying to like beat up Thrasher and he's like, hey... Talk to me, Earth Dog. Oh, I feel like a lot of the dialogue that was written for these people, like especially for Snow Pink, but also for Trasher <laughs> and some of his uh, wow. henchmen, it, it seems like. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know. It's it's Talk so me, it's Earth so Dog. bizarre, <laughs> and so much of it does sound so like weird, hippy dippy. Like does, right? like every time Snow Pink opens her mouth, it's like if Diablo Cody were trying to write a Janis Joplin biopic. <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Jano. <laughs> oh, then I guess they tie Duke up because they they, they, don't, they don't show Yeah, it. I guess so. No, but he's, he's there. They, they gag him too. It's yeah, great. well, they, we know that later. But in this moment, the next thing we see is that the boys of pain are blocking and locking all the exits to the club. So no one can get in or out. And now it's time for the supreme ordeal. Pain takes the stage. Well, DJ Moss Pulaski introduces them as being from the hills of Holly weird. Yeah, and this is pain. Never didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> 
pain doesn't seem to have any trouble playing now. Their finger uh, elements being horrible. have gotten, <laughs> <laughs> and they're also beating up other punks who try to join them on stage. So, <laughs> so Trasher is kicking them and hitting them with the head of his guitar, and like it just assaulting people who are trying to stream up on stage. And then Snow recognizes this guitar that's being used as a weapon and says, yep. "That's my guitar," and starts trying to make her way down to the stage. Yep. John gets to the club in a suit jacket that just screams <laughs> narc. Like, you might as well have narc embroidered across the back of it. Better put on my, my cool concert. Uh, better put on my cool concert laser suit real quick. <laughs> All I can think of is Steve Buscemi is, hello, fellow kids. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, the narc finds all the doors locked. Yeah, uh, he, he breaks in. And they're playing their hit, I Dig Pain. Yeah, I Dig Pain, which sure. again mentions that if uh, if the, the singer needs a new shirt for whatever reason, his dad will buy his it for him, buy especially it. if he's in any sort of pain himself. Yeah. He digs pain, the feeling in his brain, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Snow is still trying to make it to the stage and getting all jostled around. She just wants her guitar back and she's decided instead of waiting for them to leave the stage, she's going to mm. fight. She's going to take it out of his hands while he's playing, I guess. Yeah. Um, I bet I can go. I bet I can get through this crowd. Me, five foot zero, right. 28 pounds soaking wet. John goes around to another door and he hears screaming inside. So he breaks through the door's window to get inside the club. And now we know why Duke hates cops because the only person that's actually broken something so far tonight yeah. is a fucking chips officer. So the crowd has started throwing stuff at Payne, including a folding chair. Jesus Christ, this thing. This looks This looks heavy. Heavily unrehearsed. <laughs> this looks like somebody was like, I don't know, they said throw stuff. <laughs> so John John has broken it. He finds Duke tied up with a gag, takes the gag off, and then lectures him for a while about how he was right. And this is where DJ Pulaski runs by because the crowd's in a frenzy. And he says, think that he says something like, it's been wild. Keep on fucking. <laughs> Miles, do you remember what your line was as written in the script? It's, it's something about disco. It's something about disco. He might say keep on punking. That's all I can think of. I don't know. But it man. really sounds like he's saying keep on fucking. There's really no remember. way that that's true. Um, I mean, maybe. So Duke's, <laughs> a like, time. Duke's like, they're going psycho. What can I do? And John says, call the police. So suddenly now something's outside of his jurisdiction, yeah. apparently. I'm sorry. I'm still on that hot guitar case. I cannot help you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, turns out I don't have jurisdiction inside this club, mm. so, even though I offered you extra security earlier. So I'm just going to go ahead and call the police. Yeah. Um, there's so there's the, fighting happening, but I'm pleased to point out that unlike Quincy Emmy, there are no <laughs> dubbed in karate sounds. Oh so now something happens in the wrong order, which is... Payne is still on stage. Everyone hates them. Trasher screams, it's a raid. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then throws the guitar. And he and the other nerds hide off stage to see what the crowd will do. But the cops have not entered yet. Not at all. And then minutes later, the cops come in. And the crowd is mad, I guess, because they didn't like one song. So they're kind of rioting. Like, it's working. His plan of getting the crowd to I destroy so. the club is working. But I'm like... Why? Like, it hasn't even been introduced the idea that maybe they're all on drugs or something. You know, like, it, no, none of that. It's just like, we're going to we're gonna play really badly. Mm -hmm. They're going to think we're bad. That will make them destroy the club. Like, what the fuck is this chain of thought? Dan, we don't have time for chains of thoughts. We got five more cars we can smash up. <laughs> we lose five plot points, five cars. It's a plot point for a car smash. <laughs> so then John, in the middle of this, John finds Snow, who has her guitar back she picked it up off the floor and mm. i guess she's hugging it and i guess they're gonna date now and <laughs> then the cops break in to like break up the fight 
And John takes the stage in yeah. his sp- Again. sports jacket. Great idea. Put a square on that stage. That <laughs> yeah. was who kids will listen to. And his the squarest haircut that anyone has ever had. And he says, he convinces the kids to stop fighting. He takes the microphone. And he's like, you hate pain, but, but, that, but that band is just some sickies. And now they're gone. And he's like, these, he tells the other cops, he's like, these kids aren't the troublemakers. And then the kids clap. Yeah, the kids applaud. Fight and- over? There's a great moment here, which I really appreciated. He says something like, oh, you're not going to let them ruin your good time. They're a bunch of jerks. And everybody's like, yeah, you're right. Sickies. He calls them A bunch them of sickies. sickies. They start clapping for him. And John, they cut back to John, who has a look on his face like, what else could I make these people do? <laughs> <laughs> they really got on board quick. So am I it's... starting a cult, John? Are you starting a cult? I think I am. I think this is a soft open for my cult. Right. <laughs> the punkers try to escape Ponch. I guess who just happens to be driving by knocks over Trasher, whose yeah. uh, motorcycle immediately starts spurting out gas. And thank goodness he's got a wallet chain lighter. <laughs> thank God we've set this up 55 times yeah. that he owns this thing. What is he going to burn? Armpit? Oh no, there's gas. <laughs> and he takes it out and he's holding it. And he's got. He's got the flame there and the gas is pouring out. And he says, I'll blow us both up, copper. I don't care. And then there's a real tense beat. Yeah. And then Ponch blows the lighter out. <laughs> and then we have the most insane transition in TV history. Well, first of all, Trasher looks at his lighter like, oh man, you've rendered it fucking useless. And he like slumps down like, I am defeated by a gust of your breath. Well, also, didn't Ponch just say, hey man? Yes. <laughs> yes. As if he was about to deliver some like very heartfelt speech right. and change Trasher's life forever. No. All of a sudden he's going to go from become, from being like a complete punk nihilist yeah. to like really caring about his future in the world. Have you thought about being a police officer? Yeah, you but be a deputy? he just goes, hey man, and blows out his lighter yeah. and then kind of smirks a little bit and then like you said the most insane transition of all time Kylie could you please walk us through what I like I've said the scene is set uh, I couldn't tell right away it was the same club so I said the scene is set in my nightmares (laughs) alright Kylie walk us through this this moment because I screamed holy Jesus at my screen is this he's on Ponch is on stage now and his it's showtime Kylie skin tight no time passes no No time no it just cuts straight from him going hey man and smirking slightly Blows out a candle. <laughs> yeah, to him on stage in polyester satin, yeah. fringe, mm-hmm. singing Cool in the Gang Celebration. Yes. Poorly. But yes, dazzled, very, very poorly. Bedazzled shirt. So many rhinestones I'm gonna, on this shirt. I'm going to blow yeah. your mind. This outfit is Mork for Mork's outfit backwards. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's got that, kind of it's got that oh, silver V, except it's on his back. <laughs> Yeah, y'all. The pants yeah. are so tight, and they they do the entire song. And he is they, dancing. This is a and... this is a theme throughout. Like any time, we don't hear all of Payne's song, yeah. but we hear all of the two Beatles covers that Snow does. You know, three and a half minute long song, and then we hear all of Celebrate by Cool and the Gang and Punch. Yeah, <laughs> by I, I Punch think, and the Gang. And Punch does way more swiveling of his hips than he does <laughs> of actually. Oh singing. my god! Mostly he's just like twisting and swiveling, and just like. Sw- Swiveling in the faces of exclusively women who are lined up in front of the stage just at crotch level.
level. Who uh, came from nowhere? Also, yeah. that place was full yeah. of punk kids like yes. two all seconds ago, and now all of a sudden it's like kind of like housewives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a real housewife scene. Yeah, I'll fuck a cop, I guess. Twenty something. Like just generic seventies ladies, and everyone from the police station. Oh yeah, they are all of the employees, including his the love of his life. John has finally seen him perform. Punch's band, per IMDb, Punch's band is the last to perform, yet he was just on duty arresting the leader of the punk band Pain. Yep. It doesn't seem possible that Punch has had enough time to arrest and book the punk, write the police report, drive back to Hollywood, do a soundtrack, and dress in time for his performance. Uh, does IMDb say that there are not enough car crashes? Then you're welcome, IMDb. I want to point out two things about this performance. Number one, Snow Pink is right. This band is going to be great just as soon as they get rid of their lead singer. <laughs> I really do see them going places. Yeah, like the gang bar. of this is great. Punch yeah. of Punch in the gang. It's quote unquote cool and the gang. Number two, there is legitimately a lady in the audience who is marching in place, and I have never felt so seen in my entire life. She's really doing it dramatically. I don't think I had quite those moves when I was like three, but it's happening, and I felt like, yeah, you get it. A fun fact, Eric Estrada is an actual cop now. He got bit by the acting bug at 18 years old, and then he became an actor. But then after playing a cop for many years, he became a real cop working internet crimes against children in Virginia. So this is the end of it. <laughs> Turns out Ponch has been a member of the Battle of the Bands. Okay, fine. But uh, oh, you you forgot to tell us who wins the Battle of the Bands. Well, that's the thing, is they announced who the winner is, and we fucking focus on Ponch <laughs> like he's going to get it. Fuck no, you're not. Ponch is shuck. <laughs> um, fucking Snow Pink wins. Of and course. then they do something audacious. They do three freeze frames. Oh my and then God. they fade out and then they fade back in on the last freeze frame to roll the credits. I am like, how dare you? Yeah, you think the episode is, is over like four times. Madness. Good Lord, this episode, Kylie. <laughs> I mean, thank you, number one. But Jesus Christ, this thing is fucking bonkers do you if you're if you're if you're uh tasked with teaching young angry children about like the effects of music do you show them this episode of chips in order to help them along oh god no no right that's <laughs> this is a slam dunk kylie not. we're trying to help you out absolutely not there's 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 so many good things in this world to show yeah. angry angry youth <laughs> i feel like this just reinforced everything we learned from quincy me yeah if you gave me the I'm opportunity, sorry, no. This is there's a this is a this is a flavor more insipid than Quincy, even because like there were stakes in that someone was being poisoned. You know, like yeah. The the also the, drugs were involved. In, drugs in were involved. Someone was being poisoned. Like Quincy was after. It was like there was a real time clock. There was urgency. Mm. This is just like. Kids might get too angry at a concert. Yeah. <laughs> Should someone be there in case the kids get angry? Sure. It was like nonsense. Oh, hey, here's here's something I learned. If you want to stop kids from vandalizing stuff, maybe don't stand around talking about Poncha's single career. <laughs> get out there and patrol the fucking streets, assholes. <laughs> That's what I learned. I don't know. Just yeah. off the top of my head, I guess. Right? I uh-huh. But yeah. I guess it's really important that somebody says, hey, Poncha, you did a good job. And then they all like, once he turns away, they laugh. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't do a good job. <laughs> Uh, I learned that the best way to deliver a ton of exposition in a short time <laughs> is to have a blonde in a bikini juggling mm. oranges. This is going to change and, all of my writing. From and then now when on. you're done, the way out of that 
very exposition-y section is just to have her drop all the oranges and go, whoops, wipe out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it tells more of a, a craft story. perspective. That it's, I no, it's true. The hero's journey. Adopt. There is that step we always skip of denouncing women's lib. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie, what do you feel like you learned from this? Episode? Oh, I learned that there's a wormhole between Silver Lake and Santa Monica. <laughs> Can we fucking find that, guys? I know, it saved me so much time. Oh my God, hours. <laughs> so we also have a, a part where we, we figure out this can be tough. Who did we want to hug? Oh, I know who I wanted to hug. Good luck. I wanted to hug fucking Snow Pink and be like, look. Oh. I am all about pursuing your dream. I really, like, I've dedicated my life to it. But, like, it's not going to happen for yeah. you. Not this way. Not with the Beatles covers. Not with the hair. Not with this band of 40-year-old dudes backing you up. Like, you need to just go back to school, get your art therapy degree, whatever it is. Yeah. And this is this is not the way. Yeah. I need you. You're going to waste years. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you've gotten this far is because your brother owns this terrible club. Oh, that's the fucking truth right there. What, what did a, you learn? What a dream. <laughs> You, who did I want to hug? Oh, I'm sorry. Who did you want to hug, Kylie? N- not a single person. Right? It's fucking... <laughs> this one's like fucking Not tough. a single one of them. I don't think not I want to Not even really... Snow Pink. Yeah. She was just so just two-dimensional and... Yeah, I don't know. There wasn't really much to her to even want to hug. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel bad for her. You know what? I want to hug Bill Forsythe, the actor, and go, <laughs> way to go, dude. You found your fucking niche yeah, right? and you wrote it. Yeah, uh, man. For fifty fucking that years, that dude's got more money than everybody else on this. Yeah, thing he's got right he's now. got Sacramento Airport Bar money. <laughs> <laughs> he owns that Sacramento Bar Club. He sure does. Kill yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the club. <laughs> well, Kylie, thank you so much for being with us on yes. this horrendous journey. Oh my yes. gosh, thank you. Oh, it was truly terrible. <laughs> recommending this so much and thank you uh to josh miller for the memorial snack time hour and mm-hmm. this week to megan reardon yep who provided us unwittingly with these snacks <laughs> yep hey chelsea yeah what do we watch next time next time we are going to watch our very first episode of home improvement season seven episode 16 what a drag confused grunt uh? yeah good one <laughs> all right we'll see you next time <laughs> bring snacks bye Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!